The following is a fourth-hand production. Then he had a... It's lights out! Now you want to get nuts? Come on! Let's get nuts. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes. Black eyes, like a doll's eye. That's it. I've had it with this dump! We've got no food, we've got no jobs. Our pet's heads are falling off! I'll start. My name is Rod, and I like to park. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Welcome to the Have You Seen This Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Wilson, here with my co-host and good friend, Jake Spencer. hey And this is a podcast where we suggest a movie for the other one that, to watch that they haven't seen throughout the week, and then we discuss it here on the show. Today, the movie in question is The Big Red One, and it is a movie about a hardened sergeant and four core members of his infantry unit. Uh, trying to survive World War II as they move from battle to battle throughout Europe, starring Lee Marvin, Mark Hamill, Robert Carradine, Bobby DeCicio, and Kelly Ward. It was written and directed by Samuel Fuller. I forgot to write down the date. I'm pretty sure it was like 1980. Yeah. So this is a movie. I don't remember the first time I watched this movie. It was a movie that I know came with a group of movies that my parents grabbed out of one of those $5 bins at Walmart. Uh-huh. Um, and back in high school, I really enjoyed historical, like World War II history stuff. I mm-hmm. just like learning about it and watching things. So I consumed a lot of World War II movies, like you know this one, and then you know obviously like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, Band of Brothers TV show. I watched that a lot. Okay. You know uh, things like that. Call of Duty. Two, I think, was the mm-hmm. one that, uh, or no, World at War, maybe. I don't remember. The one that the opening, the opening scene that you play in the game is just the, it's just the, it's just a video game version of the beach scene from Saving Private Ryan. I played the trash out of that game. This movie was just one that ended up being in rotation throughout my high school years. Plus, it's you know, it's got Mark Hamill in it in a role that's not. The Star Joker Wars. or Luke yeah. Skywalker. Yeah. So it's cool to see him in a movie. Uh, Lee Marvin's just in tons of stuff. Older oh, movies yeah. and things. Robert Carradine, Revenge of the Nerds fame. Yeah. Uh, also Lizzie McGuire's dad in that show. <laughs> and then uh, I'm pretty sure Kelly Ward, the blonde-headed guy, he's in Greece. He plays uh, oh, the blonde-headed friend. I don't remember what his name is. Duty Whatever or that guy's name is. I don't, I don't know. know. He's like a like a fourth character in that movie. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't really remember when I watched it. I'm fairly sure the reason it was pulled out of that uh, $5 bin is because my dad liked older movies, older war movies. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, one that I know he has seen before. He's told me. Yeah. Uh, he told me about it when we got it. Jake, did you know about this movie before you watched it? I did not. Like, I had seen the I had seen Lee, Mar- Lee Marvin only in... Um, a Twilight Zone, and that's only where I recognize him from, but that was it. And obviously recognize some of the other guys, but I had never heard of this movie. Like, I think I mentioned over chat, I didn't, when you when we were deciding what the movie was, I thought you are talking about a football team, because you're like, <laughs> the Big Red won. And I'm like, wait, the football team, the Big Red won? But then I just didn't register. I'm just like, oh, and then later I text you, I'm like, oh, now I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, you confused me because I... <laughs> Was suggesting the movie, and you would just start talking about football. And I was College like, oh, bro, football. I haven't, been, I haven't been watching football for a long time. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> then I got confused. I'm like, wait, then, then how did? You... <laughs> yeah. So I guess did you like the movie, Jake? At first, I couldn't tell if I did or not, but usually that's a good thing because I had to think about it. But I actually ended up liking it just because normally I don't care for war movies because they're generally like just violence, violence, and you know, and a lot of gore. But this one was ve- like character based, you know. There wasn't really a big crazy, you know, storyline. It was them just, you know, fighting the war at different battles and trying not to die. But it focused more on, you know, Lee Marvin's character and his, you know, 
Horseman Squad. Yeah. And I like that. And, and like you said, the overarching story, I mean, there really wasn't one other than mm-hmm. these guys just, they uh, were a squad that came in fresh um, at the beginning, and then yeah. they they were the four that lasted with Lee Marvin yeah. throughout the whole thing. I mean, like, Saving Private Ryan, obviously they're going on a mission to save Matthew, or Matt Damon. Uh-huh. Um and like wind talkers and things like that. Like that's like a Navajo, the Navajo one where they used uh, Navajo uh, native Americans to send messages because the Germans couldn't decipher that oh, language. Yeah. So it was really like focused on those, those Navajo soldiers and uh-huh. that story thing. This one, they're just, they're in the desert fighting with the tank squads. And then mm-hmm. they're, they're in Italy and then they're in Normandy and then they're liberating Germany at yep. the end. Um, and it's not, it's what it feels like. It's not like, it doesn't feel like a one cohesive movie. It feels like, yeah. it feels like a movie with like six different movies inside of it. Like, yeah. It's like they could have split it up into like a little t- uh, mini series, like a, like the current Netflix shows. Yeah. And that's the way probably something like this would be done today, today versus like, you're going to get an overarching narrative story with a war movie nowadays, like uh-huh. Dunkirk. And yeah. I don't know what is coming. I haven't watched them. All of those. Uh, current Fury. War yeah. Fury with yeah. Brad Pitt and stuff. You know, they're all, they're all story, like a story yeah. driven. This one's just, it's five major events in world war two. And these guys just were at all of them. Yeah. Because that, that particular group of soldiers that squadron they were it's the first you know it's the first infantry so they go into everything mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. um for the army what did you not like or what problems did you had have with this movie jake i only had a couple and it was the first one was just during the tank scene when they were you know they started digging holes and it was mostly just like what was the point of digging the holes to hide in if they were just going to hop out when the enemy was right there and just run away? Like, why not wait a little bit more? Or... Yeah. I, didn't, I just that... didn't quite understand that part too much. I wrote, I wrote, that was one of my problems too. I said, it, it said digging in seems like it would take a lot longer in the dry desert. Cause yeah. I mean, if you think those guys are, are average height, which is like five ten or whatever. Yeah. And they're like those three are... inches in ground. So they're yeah. digging at least, you know, six foot deep holes. So, and I mean, we're led to believe that those tanks are just right around the corner yeah. in, in that scene. And, and I, yeah, hopping out of immediately, I guess you could probably explain that away to they're scared. They just had tank tracks roll over the top of their oh, heads. Oh, yeah. So you could probably explain it away to that. But yeah, it's a, it's a very problematic, weird thing to do. Yeah. I just, I just didn't understand. I'm like, wait, but they, they were hidden. They were out of sight. And then they just get up after the tanks are there, so it's just like what? And then they get shot at anyways. It's like wait, wait what? Yeah, what? And they get Why they get Lee Marvin they get Lee Marvin hit because of it. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. they you know think he's dead until he reunites later. But yeah, they keep calling that thing a bed sheet that he's wearing, which seems that, that Arab not, bed sheet I'm seems just like, not nice. <laughs> gosh, the way they just um, over enunciated the first syllable when talking about. Yeah, it's Other like races? it's like it's like how Pierce says Abed's name in the movie. Yes, he says Abed. They they say like a they they emphasize the a on the Arab. It emphasizes the I, Arab. Now I'm saying it. They have, and then they emphasize the I on Italians, and it's just like, mm. yeah. And then there's then there's that one dude who just went all racist when they mispronounce his name. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Old limb check, dude. Another problem I had was all the foreign military personnel speaking perfectly English. That's something about all old war movies that I have a problem with. Nowadays, you know, they hire German actors to speak German and they subtitle everything or Japanese actors and subtitle everything. And all these like John Wayne, World War Two movies and every every, it's just British guys playing Germans and they just speak in German accents. This guy was at least speaking in a German accent, but just perfect English every single one of them that's that's just always something in these old war movies that i've always kind of had a it just bugged me the only reason i would think that that's a thing is just for our benefit as the audience yeah in the 80s in the 80s they weren't caring about historical accuracy really there's a lot like it's more of just it's just 
it's well, proper. I mean, it's proper. They, they probably just did it just so it's easier for the viewer to understand rather than have to read it. I don't know. Well, it's yeah, just... I mean, it's and the the purpose of these nineteen eighty war movies and things. It was propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it was. Um, nowadays, it's still propaganda, but they try to keep it historically accurate, just to keep people like me from complaining about it. Probably. Everybody that gets shot in this movie dies very choreographed. Yep, yeah, that was a hilarious <laughs> thing I noticed. I didn't write it down, but there I was, was just like... A, there was one guy when they're when they're sniffing out the sniper in Sicily. Yes. And they go around the corner, and that guy is like... It's like a, he's hitting his four beats. He's like, around the corner, I hear the shot, I drop to the knees, and I lay down on my back. I mean, yep. it's just... I mean, it's just one, two, three, four, and he's just laying on the, on the ground. He slides into his position, and he's just there. Yep. And that's everybody on that beach scene. Oh, the yeah. The explosion goes off and the guys lay down. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like everyone's very Le- Lemchi or whatever. He yeah. just gets up, gets shot, and rolls right over somebody. And that's his death. <laughs> um, my my only other dislike part was at that beach scene, was yeah, they had to assemble that super long, janky bomb thing. It's yeah. like, why couldn't they have put it together first and then ran it out? I don't quite understand yeah, that. Yeah, see, in Saving Private Ryan they do that exact same scene with the, uh-huh. the the Bangalore because that's how they got through those, um, those barbed wire, barbed wire bo- trap blockades. things. Okay. Yeah. So um, in Saving Private Ryan, they are sitting down with their backs against the sandbar. It's sliding it up and connecting it and sliding it and connecting oh, it. Oh, see, that's it way smarter. Connecting it. Like um, this one was just... This one, they're like running it up to the thing. They just had eight, di- eight guys die just to run it up and then like then yeah. each time it was further away and they used they used those bangalores for i think the last time they used them was like desert storm they they were used uh-huh. for a long long time yeah i've never um, i've actually never seen those before because i don't yeah. watch many more, more yeah movies. i mean it's the one scene and uh i mean it's pretty much exactly the same okay uh, you know saving private ryan they're trying to get through whatever dog whatever the beach section is yeah. numbered off as and uh they do the exact same thing. They put it okay. together and blow a hole in the barbed wire. Yeah, I just thought it was weird that they didn't assemble it a lot before. They just had each next guy run out and just get yeah. shot or exploded. <laughs> and then the only other real big problem I had, I just hate the tank scene where they're delivering the baby. It just... I skipped that because it was just so yeah, weird. It's, uh, it's a... But I did write on my favorite parts. I just wrote ammo stirrups yeah it's a scene that's always <laughs> just felt out of place and kind of yeah. weird and the adr on the ladies really bad yeah i noticed um, that so it's just something that they could have you know they said you know like you said before we got on here that the guy had a four-hour cut like he could have even cut yeah, more they off just of cut movie. that scene he could have cut the the tank thing out completely and it was mostly just so the German guy could hop off that cross and run away. They're distracted by this pregnant lady in labor. That and I'm pretty sure it's it was a little it was a moment of some character exposition for uh, Johnson. I think that was his name. You know, because he has medic skills, but he wasn't actually a yeah. medic. So they just wanted to, because you know he patched up Kaiser right before that, and then immediately went to go deliver a baby. Like. Mm. It was you it can, was weird. You I get it, but it was still weird. A, I wouldn't have put that. Fix if a I bullet hole, Jake. You can deliver a baby. You can. Yeah, they're the, they're just. You can the op- dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball, Jake. <laughs> As I say, they're the opposite <laughs> things. One of them is, yeah. Or one of, kind of one of those. You know, pulling a bullet out of a wound and patching one, it up. One of them, yeah. One of them is keeping lady. something inside <laughs> the body, and the other one is getting something out of the body. <laughs> For me, that was it for all my, like, dislikes. I tried to, like, think of, like, you know, be a little bit critical on some parts, but I'm just like, you know what? I couldn't really think of anything or I couldn't figure out where to put, uh, you know, Griff snapping and shooting that Nazi, like, 20 times. But I just put it in my favorite parts. And we'll, yeah. We can talk about um, it later. Yeah, I mean, there's not, like, you could get real nitpicky and talk about, like, the really crappy special effects with the weapons and stuff, but... That's, yeah. I mean, it's just product of the time. So I yeah. left, I left all of that stuff out. Yeah, I don't get too um, critical like, as far or as like, like um, effects go. Robert Carradine smoking cigars all the time. 
they discourage yeah. that in real life because cigars smell. Cigarettes smell. Yeah. So they tried not to, if there's an active battle zone going on or something, they tried not to have any kind of, you know, obvious ways that you get, give yourself away to the enemy. And he's just puffing mm-hmm. those Cuban cigars the whole the whole movie. And And on that note, too, he dropped a, like, half of a stogie on the ground right before they left to go dig holes. And it's like, they could have been, that could have given them away a little yeah. bit. Like, oh, there were people here at one point. They're, we should be on the lookout. They're dealing with Nazis, Jake. Yeah. Nazis are stupid. They weren't the. They weren't <laughs> one of the smartest armies in the world at the time, Jake. They're dumb. That's true. <laughs> but I was just saying, you know, they could have smelled. Yeah, it. they could have smelled yeah. it. Most likely in a tan, tan, sandy desert, you're gonna come over a hill and see a four-inch brown cigar yeah. butt and think, "Well, that's weird." Yeah, where did this come from? The rocks have got to quit this habit. So, you know, there's stuff like that. But So favorite parts and lines, Jake. You kick us off on that one. So I actually exp- – so when I f- watched the first part, you know, at the end of World War One, where it kind of sets up, you know, Lee Marvin's character at the beginning, I, at first I was like, oh, it's a black and white movie. This is going to be fun. And then it changes the color. I'm just like, oh, this is cool too. I just like how they – kind of separated those yeah you know yeah um it's a simple thing but i really like yeah and uh and later on they use a they use a black and white trick during the day i don't remember what what part it is i think it might be mm-hmm. the it might be the d-day scene so in, yeah, in black and white movies when they would film at cowboy movies at nighttime they would just film during the day and then put a filter on the movie in post when they're making it and make it look dark, but you could totally tell with the shadows and stuff in the thing that it was filmed during the daytime in black and white movies. They did that with the D day scene, but it's a color movie where they filmed it during probably the afternoon, obviously throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And then they, they darkened the scene later, but like there's, you can see the reflection of like a really high sun on the water and stuff. They, they carried the spirit of, the black and white movie throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. The first favorite line that I have is when Mark Hamill, you know, they, they do the Sicily thing with the Vichy or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And Mark Hamill misses that guy because he doesn't want to yeah. shoot somebody. And then Robert Carradine shoots mm-hmm. him. And then he just kind of wanders off by himself. He doesn't come back with mm-hmm. them. When he does come back, Lee Marvin goes to talk to him. And he tells, he tells Lee Marvin that he can't kill anybody or murder anybody. Yeah, I can't murder yeah. somebody. And Lee Marvin says, "We don't murder, we kill. You don't murder an animal, you kill it." And when he says that, you can, you can tell Lee Marvin's character, the sergeant, doesn't believe his own line of bullcrap. Like, yeah, he immediately kind of looks down to the ground, like, "Well, that's not true. We are murdering people yeah. because." of his experience in world war one where he killed that soldier that was saying the war was over when it actually was over. I really like that, that part. And then the flip side of that, you know, Lee Marvin showed remorse saying that, and then they go to the German sergeant in the desert and they got that guy listening, listening to that record. Uh, and he was, he's making fun of what she's singing, which is like the, to celebrate Hitler and all this stuff. And he says that it's bull. Mm -hmm and that he will yeah. not kill any more people for Adolf Hitler. And then the guy says that, or he won't murder anybody for Adolf Hitler. And that guy says, we don't murder, we kill. And it's the same yeah. thing, and I won't do it. And then he shoots him, and that guy rolls down the hill um, yeah. to show the juxtaposition between the bad guys and the good guys, obviously. Yep. Um, the Americans are the quote-unquote good guys. Yeah. I actually had that exact same thing for my second favorite part as well is like the thing with with a uh, griff and then the german soldiers as well like so i'll just you know run past that so i like when he comes back uh, after the sergeant you know he gets injured and then when he's in what tunisia yeah you know uh he comes back wearing all the arab clothes and they he puts a cigar like through <laughs> the cloth yeah. and smokes it i liked that yeah it was simple i'm just like that's funny what does he say that guy when the, the soldiers we took this town and this town and we took this town and he goes you took that town huh and he's like yeah and he goes 
this is that town. I don't remember what the town yeah. is called when he's in the hospital. Yeah. And then they bust in moments later. And he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, we did take it. <laughs> that part's really funny. <laughs> when they're back on the boat going to, I guess it would be, yeah, when they were going to Sicily. So they went to the desert first. And then they mm-hmm. went to Sicily. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I think they were in Africa and then they went to Italy. When they're going through and I think it's Lamb Check again. Or the first time you see him. And yeah. he's asking how I guess this would have been when they're yeah, going to Sicily. So he's asking how an Italian could shoot another Italian. Yeah, and that's when he gets all and like, he racist says all stuff. yeah, all the racist stuff. He says, I think you're just gonna be doing something and singing oh so Oh, so mio, and then they grab his mouth and hold it open, and uh, puts he the puts the gun, gun in, in his mouth and sings the song to him, and says, "I like Oh, so mio." <laughs> yeah, that was kind of that was a cool part. I really like that character Vichy. I guess is his name Vichy. Yeah, I really like his character. He's probably my favorite character. Um, his scene where he runs the point, and they're like, "He's like, you just sent Vichy into a sniper. Are you feeling okay?" And then the sergeant has the run in with that German with the grenade and he tosses the grenade and the German drops his and they explode. And then he opens up the, he opens up the, the curtain and Vichy's standing right there. He said, you had him in your sights all the time. He said, all the time This punishment for putting me on the point. I liked that part. I, well, I wrote, I wrote a quote from that scene. I said, the guy around the corner lost the game of hot potato. (laughs) (laughs) Because he, like, just catches the grenade and just... <laughs> With the beach assault, I said the uh, Italian uh, army, or maybe it was German, I don't remember which one, they really have it out for that roll of toilet paper. Because not only do they shoot yeah. out of that guy's hand, they, like, lay into it when it's in the water. <laughs> it's like, we haven't had a toilet paper for eight months because Hitler, the German army, doesn't send us anything, so we're just going to shoot up your toilet paper in the water. Yeah, you don't get toilet paper either. Yeah, I said Robert Carradine saying, you know how you smoke out a sniper? You put a guy out in the open and see if he gets shot. Man, I I was trying to figure out something to write there. I'm just like, I didn't know. It's like they just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have a bunch of weird things like that. I know I have a friend. I'm just going to keep him off the podcast. But he he works for the Air Force, and he was telling me that the, the approved – test for a chemical weapon is to pick it up after it's been defused or whatever and gently shake it to hear if it sloshes inside so if it sloshes inside it's a chemical weapon if it doesn't it's just an explosive Uh and he says that's a that is a u.s military approved technique you're just picking up (laughs) a bomb and shaking it (laughs) uh i thought it was funny when after you know they they liberate that little house that little town with the the tank in it the mm-hmm. tank inside the house yeah and uh they you know they take out all the dudes and then um griff snipes the dude out on you know guarding the farmer ladies and they just look over they all walk over and then just start like yeah they hitting them with their tools and stuff side, they're just dude. like they're just, just casually just um like the whole scene with that little boy is funny and tragic at the same time because his his, yeah. his mom's dead, but he's like not gonna show them where the gun is until they promise to bury his mom properly. Mm-hmm. They even offer him money, and he's like, "No, no, 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 no! I don't want money. I want these specific things." Um, and the... also of that that celebration they have with those ladies. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Robert Carradine points out to Johnson that there's not a single man in the village and they kind of look at each other and raise their eyebrows and start laughing. But like right before that, they're like, there's not a woman here under 50 (laughs) or something like that. Everybody here is over 50. Yeah. Um, I was going to write a quote like, oh, you're not into cougars. (laughs) But but that uh, the little girls bringing the sergeant his helmet back and just has a bunch of flowers in it. And Robert Carradine says, the Krauts are going to spot that garden a mile away. <laughs> yeah. I that was and he says, too. I like the smell. And he puts <laughs> it on and walks away. You have some more? My next one, I wrote, eh, really long with a lot of H's. Poor guy doesn't want to be the second one to go run through the bad zone on the beach. And that was the Lemchi guy. Yeah. Because he got, you know, his number was two. Yeah. 
and he dies before he even has to go assemble the. the yeah, thing. he's like, he's like, I'll give you my GI pension or whatever, and he's like, and he's like you lost that on ten thousand dollars. Yeah, the, he's like, how much is? It? He's like ten thousand dollars. And Mark Hamill says, "Now, Lumnut, you told me you were going to give your pension to your mother. Don't you love yeah. your mother?" <laughs> <laughs> That's just great, Mark Hamill. He's, I mean, he's pretty not there in this movie most of the time because yeah. of his character. Um, and which is weird because according to IMDb, they were going to cast someone else for that role, but when he became available right after right off of Star Wars, they let that other guy go and cast Mark Hamill to bring him in as a name on the poster. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of smart. But I mean, uh I said the D-Day scene is pretty much the same as the D-Day scene in Saving Private Ryan almost to the T. I mean, uh-huh. uh, I don't think there's much of a different way you could do that scene. The Saving mm-hmm. Private Ryan one's a little bit more visceral because it came out a lot lo- a lot later. It came out in like 98 yeah. or something. A lot yeah. more limbs flying through the air and intestines oh, yeah. on the on the beach and stuff, but uh it was about the same. I liked the the use of the watch with the soldier in the water yeah. to show you how long the attack that went on went. for. And yeah. just progressively, as the thing goes on, that water gets more and more red as it washes yep. up. It's a good way to illustrate that whole that whole kind of scene. Yeah. I had for my next one when they get to that uh, the the mental hospital. Yeah. Or the wherever, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, the priest guy, like after they start killing all everybody there. Priest just decides to step over the dead guy rather than just like you know walk around him. Yeah, man. Like, I just a, thought it was funny. They don't care about no Nazis, dude. Get yeah. these Nazis out of here. That's yeah. the way it should be. But like, I figured it would be easier just to walk around him. Like it would take. No, it's than... it's more insulting to step over his dead. Yeah, that's dead true. Nazi I just body. I just thought it was funny that he just yeah. rather step over him than Nazis, around him. Nazis go kick rocks, man. Step on them. That's what you should do. Yeah. Um. Let me see. Yeah, I said the part in the cafeteria of the insane asylum. This even when I was, a, was. even when I was a younger kid, like not totally understanding the gravity of that scene, it did really kind of stick with you because yeah. you know all this crazy stuff's going on and these people that are mentally handicapped or you know at the time they have you know like tiny tiny issues that today somebody wouldn't get hospital hospitalized for but mm-hmm. that was just kind of a you know a landing spot for those types of people uh, and they were just living their day even though that these soldiers are running through <laughs> and shoot out killing and they're just eating in the cafeteria but that one guy picks up the gun the gun and starts shooting and he starts shooting uh his fellow patients yeah and then and then i mean he's just shooting everybody soldiers and everybody yeah. But he's saying that um, I'm just like you and I'm sane. Yeah. I'm sane. I'm just like you. That part is very chilling. Yeah, especially the voiceover that comes late right ne- after that. I think it's Robert Carradine's character, right, who, who does the voiceover? Yeah. And he's like, well, after I put him down, you know, those words kind of stuck with me. Like, it was hard to know who was sane and who wasn't, you know, or something yeah. like that. There, it was it was kind of all driving everybody crazy, and you see that with Mark Hamill's character when he finally kind of snaps at the end. He loses himself yeah. because he's seeing this concentration camp. Yep, and these and that Jewish breaks people. Him. Yeah, which understandable, man. That's hor- oh, that's yeah. horrible. I remember I was in I was in like eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. I went to the Holocaust Museum in Los Angeles. I didn't even really know how to react to it. I was just like, this is crazy. They have like, a, I was just... Across the street from my apartment, there's like a, a... It's like a Jewish hospital, and there's like a museum and stuff in there. And they have Holocaust stuff in there right now um, mm. that you can go look at. Um, I haven't gone because of COVID, but it's it, yeah. it, the pictures that they have on their little display board that flashes right there at the stoplight they look very interesting i would like to go yeah. in there but uh i probably but, won't. you know and i get why he broke man that was some crazy stuff that happened he still saw like you know bones inside those 
uh, uh, oven things. Yeah. And then so then he saw the the Nazi hiding in there, and I'm just like, well, I guess it makes sense because he saw what they did to those people, and he just kept shooting until he was out of ammo. Yeah. And then even when the sergeant gave him more ammo, he still throws in another couple pops. Yeah, and he says, "You got him." I, that scene also is very, is very, is a lot to take in. Yeah, which for a movie like that, like this being 1980 and stuff, um, and generally like you're coming, like the war movies you're coming off of are like The Longest Day and Iwo Jima and uh, things like that with John Wayne that are very mm-hmm. macho man, like this guy's just killing everybody and. This is the f- this is one of the earliest depictions of the effect war had on the people that fought in it that I've seen of the older movies um, outside mm-hmm. of like Apocalypse Now or something. That mm-hmm. movie's pretty crazy. It's it's a lot about PTSD and and the effects of PTSD on soldiers. Um, and then they gave movie. PTSD to a bunch of the actors who were in that. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when they're all sitting in the in the woods, um, after Griff sells his book, and they're t- all talking about what what the craziest thing that you what would be the craziest thing that you would want to do with a girl, and none of them none of them have answers. Yeah. Like Vichy says, man, I'm thinking about it, and Mark Hamill says, I have no idea. And they get to that one guy. He was like, they get to Kaiser, and he's he just like, want, he would want I know a, what I'm gonna do. A thick lady with a big butt. He would want to stick her butt to a cold window until <laughs> it was frozen. And then he's like, yeah, I'd thaw it out. It would take a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then he immediately dies after that. He gets yeah. He gets hit by a a, a, a German soldier. Um, can't, you can't really tell what happens because he's like off to the side, and the German yeah. or, and the sergeant does that that head count where he yells their names and they yeah they yell back. Um, and then he's you know they he walks up and the German soldier for some reason is upside down in a tree. Yeah, upside down in a tree. I don't know if that is saying that the explosion happened or a mine w- was hit or one of those because uh, they were getting like flak or artillery shot at the trees in that scene yeah um and he asks if he killed the guy that he's at did i kill the guy that killed me and the sergeant says yes and then he just dies mm-hmm. um that that dude had a kind of a rough uh, time of it you know he gets shot in the leg and then but then there's that other is it not that guy but then there's the other dude who hit like a, a trip wire and blew off a testicle yeah I'm, how do you not lose a leg there just specifically one of his <laughs> I wrote parts. that down I, I missed it or I actually erased it I don't remember because that was originally going to be one oh, of my dislikes I did, my... I did put it I said I said that the, in the dislikes I said the sergeant just tosses that dude's testicle off to yeah he's like, it's like that's, that's why, why you God got two of them <laughs> he's like you're lucky those mines aren't made to kill you they're made to castrate he's like castrate me <laughs> yeah it's just like but he didn't lose a leg or a foot either. Just just the one part. Yeah, I don't know if that was a real thing or if it was just yeah. something for the movie. I would I would guess it was added in for a comedic effect. Yeah, and then at the very end, um, with the sergeant with that little kid. Yeah. And he's that he's a little Jewish kid in the concentration uh. camp. And. He's trying to get the kid to eat and drink water, and the kid won't do it. And then he takes him out, and he's getting him to eat an apple. And then he puts him up on his shoulders, and he's carrying him along that riverbank there, and the kid just goes limp. Yeah. That scene is very sad. Yeah. Um, and then Robert Carradine says he he carried that kid around for a couple hours after he had died, you know? Yeah. My, um, my, my last point was it's very interesting the way they portrayed the sergeant kind of like he kind of came full circle, but he also improved on it. Like, you know, in the very beginning of the movie, he killed the guy four hours after the war was over, but ne- that he didn't know it. So he, but he killed the guy cause he thought the war was still going. And then he does the same thing, you know, still didn't know the war was over, but then this time, you know, they fix her, they fix his mistake and save the dude who for all intents and purposes, did not deserve it. 
Yeah. But I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, and that wraps it up for our favorite parts and lines. And before we go on to our next segment, we're just going to take a moment to uh, play some ads for some other shows on the Fourth Hand Network. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the waste vessel, the Black Swirl. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new stories, to seek out new laughs and new absurdity, to boldly go where no sci-fi podcast has gone before. Welcome to Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind. And we're back. So, Jake, now that we've moved off of the favorite parts and lines and the problems you had and and what you didn't like, the people at home want to know, would you recommend this movie to a friend? You know what? I actually would. At first, I wouldn't think I was going to, but as I said you know, before, I, I wasn't sure if I liked or hated this movie, but usually... When it comes to like music, that's always a good thing because then it gives me a couple, like say if there's an album that I'm unsure about when I listen to the first time, a couple more listens and I'm like, okay, this is good because usually I can tell if I don't like something right off the bat. Yeah, like when Nickelback releases a new record. Exactly. I love it. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I've listened to a full song of theirs to my knowledge, uh, but I would recommend it to a friend. You know, it, it after taking some time to think about it and just kind of you know, go over the, the, the beats in my head and stuff. I'm just like, you know what? This is actually pretty good. I liked it a lot more than I was thinking I was yeah. while, I, while I was watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't just because whenever I think of like, obviously what I recommended to a friend, I think of my immediate group of friends that I have. Yeah. And I can probably, I doubt any of them would enjoy it. Um, or want to watch it. I know war movies aren't really their thing. Um, but this is one of the things I really liked about it. It's a war movie, but it's not like... Like the last war movie I saw was Last Man Standing. Or is that the TV show? Which Lone Survivor. That's the one. Oh. <laughs> it was just so violent and brutal. And you know me, I'm not really the biggest fan. That's And that's, that is 100% an American propaganda. Those ones are American propaganda machines. Yeah. That's what those are for. I got I got tricked into seeing that by some friends in college. And uh but yeah, Call so them but out. I Doxon. Uh, put let's put their put their addresses on the on the No, on I'm the not going to do that. I could name all the names though, but I won't. <laughs> um, but I really liked this one. It wasn't overdone with the violence even when they would show like a kill on screen. It wasn't like it wasn't crazy bad it was it was very manageable i mean i really liked the way they told the story at first i was like there's no pacing but i'm like there's no story there's no really overarching story for them to pace it's just they're doing one section then it moves on to the next section then it moves on to the next section and i felt like it was very i don't know i liked it i liked it a lot more than and i think that was intentional not like oh yeah like a poor writing i think that guy was just trying to you know, they fought this battle, and then they had to ride a boat to this other place, and they had yeah. to fight this battle, and they had to ride another boat to this other place. Yeah. And he wasn't trying to just make it back to back to back. He was wanting to really kind of show the in between moments. Yeah. And I really like that. And that's Which just, I think I think I read that this guy served in World War Two or in like the, the Korean this War guy was, or something. I think I read he was actually in the Red One unit. Yeah. Back in World War Two, so. Um, I just thought it was really cool. It's just it's not a typical war movie that I was used to seeing previews for or whatever. And I really liked it. I didn't. I did not expect it to be like this. Yeah, and and the last thing that I was gonna say about the recommend, I said the the people that I would recommend it that I do know have already seen it. Yeah. So, and now I have. So that. yeah. Um, check it off your list, Jake. A movie you never heard of off your list. Yeah, I never heard of it. So. Does it hold up in 2021? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's, a, it's, I, if they made a movie in, based in World War II, it'd 
probably way more gory or whatever, but that's what that was. Uh, that's what I said. I said this one's not overly violent or action packed with great looking battle scenes. Yeah. So no, it doesn't, um, because the people that make the war movies now try to make them very grisly. Yeah. Because war is is that. Um, yeah, but, they want you to kind of get the feel that you're you're kind of actually there, but without actually being there. They want you to be in the action. But, yeah. you know, I like that it doesn't hold up to, like, the today's movie-making standards. I really, like I said before, I like the way they made this. It's it's different from all the other war movies. Yeah. Does it got rewatchability, Jake? Does it have rewatchability? Um, you know what? Potentially, yeah. I could definitely see rewatching it to kind of study it a little bit more now that I know what to expect. Cause the first half of this movie, I was like, what's going on? Like I was tr- like, I couldn't figure out, like I said, I couldn't figure out an over big plot. And I was like, I was just trying to piece things together like as if it was, but then I realized, you know, it wasn't like that. Anyways, I would rewatch it, you know, now that yeah. I know. I mean, it's I w- got, um, it's got if you're into war movies, obviously it has rewatchability. Mm-hmm. Um, so the characters are very good mm-hmm. for what they do with them, and then the set pieces are entertaining. I said it drags in some places with like the tank scene, yeah, um, and there's just some other places that it just kind of drags a little bit. Yeah, I did notice take away that too. Some of the rewatchability. And I personally haven't rewatched this movie in probably a decade. So that uh-huh. tells you, if that gives you any inclination on yeah. the re- what the rewatchability is like. Um, it's well, that's like The Untouchables for me. Years. Like, I haven't seen The Untouchables since I was like 20. Yeah. That was like, that was like 52 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic jokes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fun facts about the movie, Jake. Well, let's see. Um, gosh. It is included among the 1,001 movies you must see before you die list that somebody made. Nice. In addition to that, it was on Roger Ebert's great movies list. So that's something. Hi, guys. I'm Robert Ebert, and this is a great movie. Two thumbs um, up. The bulk of the picture was shot in Israel, and director Sam Fuller remarked that it was very unsettling after a, after a scene was shot when the German soldiers and SS troops would take off their helmets, and Fuller would see them wearing yarmulkes. Also, between takes, there would be sitting around the set, or there would be guys sitting around the sets in full Nazi regalia, speaking Hebrew and reading the Torah. <laughs> he said it was just kind of unsettling. To see Jewish guys playing Nazis. Yeah, understandably so. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a cool one. Lemchek is a recurring character in a lot of Samuel Fuller's films. Yeah. Which or a recurring Lemchuk. character name. Which me, Lemchek. Do you remember me? Lemchek. Um, we said earlier, director Sam Fuller served in World War II and was part of the the Big Red One, and many of the moments of the movie are based on his own experiences. Maybe they did actually have to deliver a baby in a tank. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe. Uh, let's Maybe see. they did liberate a whole town of, uh, of women. 50 pl- plus of, uh, 50 of women. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 20, uh, 25. In 2005, Mark Hamill, plays Griff, did the voice of that character of Call of Duty 2, the big red yeah. one. Yeah, I wrote that one down too. Okay. Good old Mark Hamill, always down to do some voice acting. Oh, yeah. Um, during the UK clampdown on video nasties <laughs> in the 1980s, the film was briefly seized by the Manchester police who believed it was a sex film. <laughs> Thinking it's a sex <laughs> film called The Big Red One. <laughs> the Big Red One, dude. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's actually hilarious. We're going to have to take this copy of the big red one. We know it's we know it's a nasty film. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's a war movie. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Give it. It's like you can't 
You can't have all these young 20-year-olds liberate a town of nothing but of nothing but ladies. What do you think is going <laughs> on here? We know what's going to happen in this scene. <laughs> the bass drop's going to happen, and they're going to get busy. Oh, this is a funny one, or kind of. I mean, interesting. Samuel Fuller put the actress through a mini boot camp, and Lee Marvin, who was a former Marine, was the dr- drill instructor. Yep, so. I can just see him yelling at Mark Hamill and him crying about wanting to go to Tashi Station to get some yeah. power converters. He's like, the Tashi Station's down the road. See, we're in the desert. I'm trying to get the Tashi Station power converters. You, you can play around with your friends later. Sam Fuller's original submission of this film was four hour. It was a four-hour cut then a two-hour cut, and both were rejected by the studio. Which is weird, because this movie like clocks in at like 180 it was or an, something. It was like an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was much shorter than two hours. I, I know. It, they're just like, yeah, we'll just minutes beep, 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 cut out a few little things. <laughs> um, many critics felt that Lee Marvin was, was too old at 54 to play a sergeant. Yeah. Screw those I mean, critics. Kind of, he did a great job. He did a really good job, yeah. All the Nazi concentration camp guards were played by Jewish men. The location was a military base in Israel, and the jailers were Israeli soldiers loaned for the production. Gosh. Yeah, that's a... I mean, I, I believe that's it. A, that's a mind trip, man. Yeah. I don't think they would do that nowadays. Yeah, they'd be like, hey, you guys are, you know, Jewish in, in Israel. Here, play some Nazis. Yeah, but maybe maybe the way they did it, they're just like, well, the Nazis die in the film, so that's okay. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was originally given an R by the MPAA, but changed to PG on an appeal. Yeah, I can't see this being a rated R movie now, especially nowadays. Ugh. Yeah, and, no, and back then, a rated R movie was like a death knell. Yeah, it was big time to get a rated R on your movie because, like, Jaws is PG. Yeah. And it came out in 75, I mean, 78, 75, something like that. Um, and it's way more gory, and it's PG. I'm sure that's like the kind of thing that they that they said, well, this movie that was made here, it was way more bloody, and it's PG. That, that would be my whole appeal. In Jaws, you see that guy spit blood at the end when he gets chomped by the shark. We don't have anybody spitting blood in this movie. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I can't really find any other like super interesting fun facts. No, that was the way. That's what I kind of like. I've sifted through IMDb and stuff, uh-huh. and there was a lot of stuff on there, but none of it was particularly. Oh, interesting. A lot of it was just kind of around Samuel Fuller filmmaking this, or Samuel Fuller was in the army. That it's like we. I mean, yeah. it was kind of said a little bit before, but yeah. Anyways, I mean. Um, the person that Sam Fuller originally wanted to play Vinci was Martin Scorsese, but he what? decided to do something else. Yeah, he That's wanted Martin weird. Scorsese to play that part. A young Martin Scorsese. Oh, then he and then Chris, do... he wanted to cast Chris Christopherson as a role, but he never got him to do an audition or. They never got a role for him. It didn't specify what character he wanted him to to audition for. It just said he wanted him for a role. Yeah, that was the only two casting. Yeah, the only other casting thing was you'd mentioned about Mark Hamill getting a, the spot, but it, it looks like Robert Carradine was originally supposed to be Griff. Okay. And then he got Zab once they got Mark Hamill. Which Zab is a better character? Oh, agreed. He's, I mean, he's arguably a bigger. He's, he, I mean, not arguably. I mean, he's a bigger character than Griff. That he's the. I mean, he's basically the lead. Yeah, he talks the most in he's the movie. The voiceover. It's it's supposed to be his his character is writing this war novel. Yeah. And it's, it's him talking about the war novel that he's writing. Yeah. So I mean, the way I see it is Robert Carradine got a got promoted off that. Like he got a bigger role. Yeah. But so good for him. They're like Mark Hamill's, uh, based off of his performance in Star Wars, he's way too whiny to play that to play Zab. So we're gonna cast him for Griff, who's still, a little bit who's a little bit whiny. I still think he could have pulled it off, but <laughs> I'm just making a, a joke about 
Luke Skywalker in A New Hope being that's, super whiny. That's true, because that's a lot of his. <laughs> that's a lot of his lines are. Why don't we do this? Why can't we do that? They're gonna kill her. <laughs> the way he better said that's like if Seinfeld was doing was, was playing Luke Skywalker. <laughs> We've got to go rescue the princess. They're going to kill her. I can't do a Seinfeld impression if you couldn't Turn tell. Off all the content. Turn off all the transcontractors on the detainment level. What is the deal with all these transcontractors? <laughs> what is the deal with this giant octopus being in this water on this space station? This is very weird. <laughs> we better cut Should this be out before the Star Wars nerds start aflaming us for... Just it should have been a giant bee. Then I could have played it. <laughs> okay, that was a good bit. Man, man, just imagine Han Solo running around with a Jerry Seinfeld. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what is the deal with all these TIE fighters trying to shoot us down? Shut up, kid. Alright, I'm gonna I'm retiring that. It's over. <laughs> uh that's fair. Works for me. I mean, that's all I got, Jake. Hey, man. Yeah, that's all I got too. But all, all in all, this is a good movie. I, 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 ex- when I was watching it, I didn't think I was gonna like it as much as I, kind of realized I did afterwards. I bet you, the way you felt about this movie is how going into it is how I felt going into the Untouchables because I was like, <sighs> Untouchables. <laughs> But I ended up enjoying it. It was a good movie. Yeah, I'm glad you did. But yeah, this was this was much more uh, because like when you when I saw it was a war movie, I was like, oh gosh, what am I getting into now? But this was probably one of the better ones that I've seen, just because it's not flooded with people's body parts going all over the place. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Right, that's it for me, man. <laughs> you got a movie for next week, Jake? Oh. So we're going to watch The Sting with Robert Redford and Paul Newman. <laughs> yes, the Paul Newman who makes all the dressings. Or made them all when he was alive. Anyways. Uh, so, uh, if you enjoyed this show, this podcast, um, please rate, give us a five-star iTunes review. And leave us a comment on there. I pop in and read them every now and again. No one ever leaves us a comment, so there's nothing ever there normally. Um, there's a few. Uh, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all of your places that you find podcasts. You can also find us on the Fourth Hand Podcast Network. And if you're on there, you can go ahead and check out some other cool shows. There's quite a few on there. You just click the Podcast tab, and there's just a bunch of shows on there. Yeah. Um, you can follow us at... Uh, seen this have you on Twitter um, we haven't got banned yet on Twitter good everyone's getting banned right now yeah and you know us and our hot political takes you can find us on Instagram at the HYST podcast and Facebook on H- at HYST podcast yeah you can find me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Ethan Tyler Wilson, no Ian Tyler. And you can find me at J-A-E-K Spencer on both Instagram and Twitter. Don't follow him, though. Don't follow me, though. I'm not very interesting. <laughs> I don't really post anything. Um, but until next time, when we're coming back to talk about the famous wrestler from the 1990s, Sting, <laughs> I'm Ethan Wilson. And I'm Jake Spencer. And we'll see you later. Bye. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.